Hello and welcome to the Expat Reality Podcast. I'm your host, Annie. And I'm your host, Steve. And in this podcast, we're going to explore the reality of living life as an expat in Australia and what it really means to feel like you belong. Join us as we uncover the challenges and opportunities that expat life presents on the search for settled. With our stories, tips and interviews, see us as your two friends to help you navigate expat life abroad. Just to let you know, this video podcast series is brought to you by the team at Auric Migration and Mobility. Now, Auric have helped us personally with my visa process to Australia, and we only know too well how difficult the entire process can be if you're doing it by yourself. They have also helped hundreds of our followers, and they're offering our listeners an initial assessment for free. Email them your visa situation, questions or concerns, and they will get back to it at no extra cost. Simply mention the Expat Reality Podcast when you email them at migration at auric.com. Auric is spelled A-U-R-E-C. So that's migration at auric.com. Okay, so welcome back to the Expat Reality Podcast. I'm your host, Annie. And I'm your host, Steve. And today's podcast episode is a very exciting one, isn't it, Steve? Oh, it is. It is. Well, on today's podcast, we have the one, the only. Are you going to do another drum roll? Oh, let's do another drum roll. (laughs) (laughs) We have Caroline McKenna from County Down Under, who is probably Ireland's biggest export to Australia, joining us today (laughs) on our podcast. So welcome, Caroline. Um, Caroline is well known in Australia for being a mental health advocate and her podcast called A County Down Under has entered the top 10 podcast charts all over the world, which is absolutely mind blowing. Um, right now, Caroline, I had a look, you, it seems to be, you have over 51,000 Instagram followers and you're not far off reaching a hundred thousand TikTok followers, which is mad because I think the last time I saw on your Instagram, you were like, oh, I've reached 50,000. And I was like, wow. And, And I looked today and I was like, how have you done that? Um, which is absolutely amazing. Um, and if you're not following Caroline already, you can follow her on um, her social channels, which is obviously a county down under. Now, she also runs uh, the popular Sunrise Social meetups and events in Sydney. She has a full-time job as well. And what's even more impressive is she's achieved all of this within like a couple of years, which to me is absolutely That is amazing. I, I don't know how you find time. It's a round of applause. Yeah. So welcome, Caroline. Thank you both so much for having me on. It's so lovely to finally meet you both. I'm a big follower of your page. And I think what you guys do for the expat community out here is mind blowing. And yeah, I totally respect you for the amount of work that goes into your blogs and your website and your content. Um, yeah, hats off to you guys. It's it's lovely to finally get to chat to you guys and find that mad amount of time to, to sit down together because as we know, living in Australia can be very relaxed and chilled, but also can be so fast paced. So nice to do this all before Christmas. <laughs> I feel like there's a lot of love being shared in the in this kind of podcast room tonight because we feel exactly the same about you as well. I think it's absolutely amazing what you what you are achieving and you know what you're setting up to do for the expat community, not only in Australia but around the world. Yeah, that's that's it. It's not just Australia, it's 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 worldwide. So 
It'd be really interesting to sort of take it back and really understand like, you know, why did you come to Australia and what has made you stay here? Because you've been here for like seven years, right? Yeah, I have. I'm I'm now an Australian citizen, a proud Australian citizen, Steve. So um, yeah, I came here seven years ago and it was really only <laughs> for um, a few months, as we say, and Annie, you would know this as well. You know, we never know where our life takes us. And I just had graduated university as a teacher. And to be honest, there was not really any future for me in Ireland with a full-time teaching job. There were so many teachers and nurses coming out of universities, but there wasn't any real employment for all of the amount that were coming out. And we knew that we had to move somewhere for work. And I tried a year in England and no offense, Annie, but it was really hard. <laughs> uh, okay, we're gonna find out about that. So tell me, tell me the goss. Did the dirt. What was the deal with England? Why did you not, you know, why didn't you like it? Do you know it it was just like I mean, the, the the best teachers come out of England. It was the hardest year of my life, but the best year of my life um, in terms of like I am I'm the teacher I am because of it. It was just extremely long hours. Um, now, obviously, that is teaching. But, um, you know, it's very well known that we are overworked in England and um, underpaid and we have a lot coming our way. I mean, just within the socioeconomic situations and these kids need in certain areas need a lot of help. Um, and I mean, I just wanted to take the, where I was working was a very impoverished area of England. And, you know, these kids are dealing with some really difficult stories in their home lives. So I just wanted when they came into school, I wanted to take them home and adopt them. And there was a lot of pastoral care um, before we'd even got to the educational side of things. So it was a really full on year. And by the end of it, I didn't want to leave those kids. They were part of my life. Um, but I, I kind of got to a stage. I was 24 and I had this full time permanent job in England. I was moving up the ladder. There was the chance of becoming head of department and everything was just how it should be when you graduate university and tick off all these bucket list goals of where you're supposed to be at your age and the stereotypical fitting of society and I remember sitting in my classroom on a Friday night it was like 7 p.m that's how my nights were I was putting up a wall display and I thought is this it is this what I went to university for is this like all the debt I still have to pay back for my student loan and is this it now is this adulthood and I just thought I'm not ready for this like there's a whole world out there that I haven't seen yet and everything's fallen into place so easily I mean it was difficult every day was tough but I'd become an adult overnight after doing four years at university and I just thought you know I'm not ready for this and look there was a little story behind that this sounds like the professional side of it I also was in love um, and I'd fallen in love at university I know always happens I've fallen in love at university and it just happened just had nothing to do it was just you know, totally coincidental that he had moved to um, Australia and, um, you know, I still loved him and he was out there and I was in England and my heart was pining for him. So I was like, I'm going to give it a go. And I tried to argue with my family at the fact that it had nothing to do with him. But of course it did. <laughs> <laughs> 
I think that's the thing though. Like, so I've heard so many stories like that where people come out because they've, you know, fallen in love with someone and they're like, that's it. I'm going to drop everything, move away, make it work, you know, and, and then just go from there really. I mean, that's kind of what happened with us, isn't it, Steve? Like in a kind of way, like we met while we were traveling and I was only meant to be away for six months and now that's been 11 years. And so yeah. it's just sort of continued on and on. I mean, people do all sorts of things for love, you know, like, you know, <laughs> all sorts of crazy things, including moving to a different country. And, you know, I can totally understand. It's just one of those things that kind of you thought, let's do it. Let's let's go and move everything to Australia. It's like, why not? And we, you have to go out and see the world. And I think as yeah. well, that's a really good point in terms of what you're saying, Caroline, about you're finishing university and going straight into a job and that sort of gap year between university and working is so important for so many young people in terms of really getting out there and exploring the world before you sort of make that commitment to getting a job and in your chosen place where you actually want to live so obviously for you it seems like you realized very quickly that England wasn't for you and then coming up to Australia so do you want to tell us a bit more about your job like now over in Australia so is it right that you've been in the same job since you first got here is that correct? Yeah so I have been very lucky in that I actually came out here for a break from teaching. I didn't want to teach after the tough year that I'd had. I thought, you know, I'm just going to go and have fun. I'm going to work in an office and just chill out and do the basic admin. And I started out doing four months in an office job. And I was actually recruiting teachers. Um, And I was in there, like, didn't want to have any homework to take home, any books to mark at the weekend. And... After like a week of doing the job, I thought, I can't do this. I've never, because of I love teaching so much. And what I love about teaching is you're so busy in the day. You know, if you do the job that you love, you never work a day in your life. And I've never had to look at the clock ever on a day of teaching because I'm too busy. And there's lots of fun things that happen. There's lots of stressful things. Sometimes you question your job and all of those things but I love it. That's the end of the day. Like I jump out of bed every morning to go to work. And I find that with my office job, because I was on a screen all day, I could see the clock the whole day (laughs) and the day (laughs) went on and on and on. And I thought, God, this really isn't for me. I'm not really fit for this kind of job. So I got back into teaching, um, which was a bit of a hassle because the, the registration process over here is like, it can take up to eight weeks. So, um, as you guys know, like the the process of moving to Australia, it doesn't all fall into place. And that's what I kind of try and show on my Instagram is the realities. You don't just fall into the best job that um, you've ever wanted. It takes time. Mm-hmm. And I hated my job in that um, office job. And then I worried about getting a job. It took a while to find employment. And I was very lucky to finally get a job in a dream school. I mean, I never thought I would still be in this school six years on. And um I've been there ever since. I, my classroom looks out over Sydney Opera House. I'm in an all-girls private high school. The kids are angels. We have fun every day. I mean, it's really hard work. Like, I'm up at the crack of dawn, and then I come home. I've got work to do on top of all of the Instagram stuff, but I love what I do, so I'm very lucky and blessed, and and that's what um, I try and show on my Instagram is you know, Australia's hard work. You work really hard. We all work very hard. You're up very early. And yes, the beach is part of your day and the sunshine, but it's like any normal working day for for all of us. And I think that's something to really remember as well. Like a lot of people come to Australia thinking, 
oh, I'm going to escape like my life and I'll be just at the beach all day and it'll be like a holiday. And I think they seem to forget that you still got to go to work. You still have to get up and do your <laughs> nine to five. And it's, it's, you know, you're still going to have that massive element to your life is still going to exist, whether you like it or not. So I think it's a sort of making people understand that that huge element that you might have not enjoyed back home isn't really going to go away. But having um, making a good choice about what job you actually want to work at will make that sort of difference. I suppose moving overseas as well gives you an opportunity to kind of try things a bit differently. Maybe that, you know, you're stuck in a rut at home and you think, look, you know, I can I can try something a bit new. It's kind of reinvent yourself, mm. you know. It, it, it gives you that space. And I think that's a critical element is that space to be able to sort of, you know, br- sort of become who you are as opposed to sort of maybe being in that kind of rut that you were back home. Yeah. Yeah. And did you find, you know, as a teacher, do you ever find – because I'm wondering whether you've actually, have you ever taught in Ireland itself or, or did you only teach in England and then come to Australia? Like how did that whole, whole thing work? Yeah, I taught in Ireland um, throughout my four years. You do like teaching practices. And then I did a little bit of subbing to save money when I came back from England and um, before I went to Australia. So I've taught in all curriculums and it's one of the most common questions I get asked is, you know, is it any different or what's different about it? And to be honest, you know, teaching and education is the same all over the world. I think the most interesting thing for me and something that I have become very passionate about is the history of Australia. I didn't realise from growing up in Ireland that, you know, our countries only teach us the history that they want us to know. And I, I wasn't learning about the history of any other country, just our history. And it was written in, you know, the words of the government, what they want you to know. And I was just truly fascinated when I came to Australia and I learned the history um, of the Aboriginal people. And um, I'm so glad to to know now that it's in the curriculum, but it's only been in the curriculum for 10 years. And they're they're finally starting to, to talk about what really happened to the people of this land. And God, it's so fascinating, the, the the true history behind it. So apart from that, like everything else is the same. You know, you just have to learn the history. And I'm a history teacher. Um, but it's interesting stuff. And the the only real difference is the kids are, they don't understand me for a start. <laughs> they, my accent, honest to God, I've been, uh, now when I go back to Ireland for holidays, my family say, God, your accent's changed. I've had to really slow down my accent. But still, some of the things that I say to the kids, you just know that after a quick minute of this delayed reaction and you think they haven't a clue what I just said. <laughs> so then I have to like reiterate it down. Like things like, what age are you? They don't know what that means. It's wow. how old are you? You have to like, <laughs> there's lots of like, miss, can I go to the bubbler? And I'm thinking, what the bloody hell is a bubbler? Um, <laughs> so there's loads of things, but uh, no, they're angels and um, Steve, you'll understand this, the Australian curriculum and just the way that you guys have been brought up. Everyone is so incredibly talented in some sort of outdoor like sport or, you know, it could be Duke of Edinburgh. It could be surfing. It could be, I mean, there's like walking triathlon things happening. And, you know, they're just so incredibly athletic because of the environment that they've grown up in they don't realize that nippers and you know the kids swimming school at the weekends I'm in awe of that like to be able to swim in the ocean as little kids 
they're just, I love Australia. It's just, uh, what a place. I think growing up here as well, it's it's kind of, I've just, you know, I'm just used to it. I, I mean, it, it's funny when you speak about it because I feel like, well, that's just natural. Normal. And yeah, it's yeah. just normal. And then yeah. Annie was sort of saying to me as well, like, you know, hey, you, you, this is not happening everywhere. So <laughs> Yeah. And I think that's the thing as well for a lot of expat families who are over here and they bring up children here. It's really hard for them to sort of move back to the home yeah. countries afterwards because the children just love the outdoors so much. And, you know, Growing up in England, all I remember is like being indoors most of the time because it just rained all the time. And so, and it was really cold as well. But, you know, I think that's a challenge for a lot of expats in terms of really understanding what's the best sort of future for their child in terms of that sort of um, experience that they're going to have growing up with the outdoors all around them, you know. So, Mm. yeah, I think that's probably a bit of a struggle. But one thing I'd really love to ask you actually about teaching in terms of, you know, which is what I want to get into in a minute about your um, social media career. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But is, you know, how, how does the school find it with you filming TikToks with the kids? I mean, obviously you don't show the kids' faces, but it's super interesting to understand from that perspective in terms of, you know, uh, are the parents on board? how the children feel about it you know they do they they join in on the tiktok (laughs) (laughs) they absolutely love it um i'm always so careful about i mean even a teacher being on social media is um something that you're not really supposed to do it's very taboo um and to be honest and this is something that um i try and get across so early in my podcast interviews is I never expected any of this to happen. This was not a goal of me to be on social media or to um, be where I am today and all of these things. So I've had to navigate this in ways where I'm like, oh God, what do I tell my boss? (laughs) Um, So I, when when all of this blew up, um, I literally did a 15 minute episode on a podcast that my students taught me how to record when we were in lockdown. And I just went online because I didn't know where else to put it. I just put it out there um, just about how tough it can be over here, especially during the pandemic and how I've been following all these bloggers that are out here, these expat bloggers that go for margaritas on a Tuesday night and have all of these friends and they're in the perfect relationships and they're on these white sand beaches. And I feel like I've been sold a bit of a lie, you know, because they don't talk. (laughs) They don't talk about the difficult days or the breakups or how you have to get up and work hard. So I just kind of went on this little rant for 15 minutes just to kind of reassure anyone that would listen. I didn't think anyone would ever listen. I didn't even know if my podcast was recording. I didn't know what I was doing. And just to let them know, you know, it's okay to be vulnerable in this situation that we're in in the pandemic. And long story short, that 15-minute episode changed my life. I never thought it would ever have a download. I remember texting my dad and be like, oh, my God, 20 people have listened. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, anyway, so this has escalated and I started to get quite big quite quick, which is quite overwhelming, overwhelming for me because... As much as I, my goal is to help as many people. Um, my goal is not to be a blogger or to be some sort of influencer. That for me is not my goal. And, you know, hats off to people that do want to do that as a full-time career. My passion lies in teaching and mental health. Um, but obviously social media and podcast is the best form of communicating these things nowadays. So that's where my goal was. And I remember going into my principal after, I think it was about maybe four or five months. 
I got away with it for quite a while because I, I used the name as quite strategically. For a long time, I didn't have my actual full name on my Instagram or my face. Even my podcast cover is me like with my back to the thing. And that was all done strategically so that, you know, it was just under the radar. And one of my students Googled me because that's the trend um, now whenever they start school is to Google teachers. They don't look for their Facebook pages. They just go straight to Google. And <laughs> a child found an article um, I'd done with, I think it was uh, Belfast Live or something about living abroad. And then they were like, county down under, what is this? What is and then one child found out and then the whole school found out. So one of the teachers said to me, I think you need to go and speak to the principal. And I was like, oh, God. So I went in and I explained what I'm doing. And to be honest, I've had the kids involved in a lot of my mental health events outside of the Instagram and podcasting for quite a while. So this I've been there for so long. And um, I told my principal, oh, God, I've just I've done this podcast and it's kind of gone viral and people all over the world are listening to it. And. Um, it's just what I'm doing about mental health and and my principal was so proud she was so happy and so excited and as the Instagram has grown um, and you know you ask about how how has it grown and stuff I suppose I've started to be more like real about day-to-day life I you go through phases of being on Instagram where you feel like you have to fit in with a certain genre I'm sure you guys sometimes feel it as well where you know, there's times where you can get really sucked into it, where you think, I need to grow, I need to grow. Or you're sitting down at your dinner and you're thinking, we need to make content. And and then you end up being very similar to a lot of pages. And no matter how much we try and be unique and be ourselves, Instagram has a way of, <clears throat> like, you, you can get very pulled in by it. And there was some stages where I was getting really, like, it was taken over. I, I just felt like, my life revolved around this Instagram. And anyways, long story short, I started to be more real and I started sharing clips of what my passion really is, which is teaching. And I only started doing it a couple of months ago. And I literally got the camera and showed what a day of a teacher is like, just to show appreciation for teachers. And that content is the reason that my TikTok has blown up, how my page has grown so rapidly. It's just being me and showing day-to-day life and showing what it's really like living in Australia and um, the long days, the tough days, but how you get to go to the beach after if you really want to. And that and that's a good point because after a long day, you've got the beach to go to. But I can completely understand. It's I mean, it, it is a funny world in the end because you know everyone looks at Instagram and they have this kind of this idea that the whole world is perfect in the phone and everyone else is living a perfect like life except me. And you kind of get that sort of feeling. And 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 sort of you know if you kind of do enough of that, that kind of isn't sort of doing your mental health sort of any good, right? So. You know, I can, yeah, I really totally get what you're uh, And I think also as a teacher and you're teaching kids, like they, I, I can't even imagine like how kids must just be glued to their phones like all day long since they wake up to go into bed. So it's really interesting to be able to sort of um, be that advocate for them to make them understand that actually you don't need to be like, it's completely perfect to be liked by people, you know? Mm. Um, yeah. I'm but, trying to give them yeah, like a role yeah. model you know, that's not Kylie Jenner or Kim Kardashian because <laughs> the, the generations that we're growing up in, these kids do idolize these TikTok stars and want to be like them. And they're not really 
striving for the big aspirations anymore because they know how quickly and how viral you can go overnight. So I try and show them, you know, do good with that kind of stuff. Everything that I post is family friendly. I mean, I would never curse on my Instagram. Um, I would never put up like a, a really, um, I don't know, like revealing outfit. I wouldn't wear those things anyways, but you know, I wouldn't share, um, quite like rude memes or things like that. Everything I post, I think before I post, would my family, um, agree with this? Would my, um, students, you know, how would I be perceived for them and their parents? And, um, yeah, their, their parents love my Instagram. They love my TikTok. Um, the kids come in all the time and say, oh, my mom follows you and my mom loves you and, and all of these <laughs> things. So it's always been positive feedback and it's just an appreciation of teachers. It's an appreciation of my school and the amazing kids in it. So it's all done with love. And that's a really interesting <laughs> one about, you know, your kids coming in saying, oh, my mom follows you. So I have heard on the grapevine <laughs> Um, that you are a celebrity in Coogee, specifically, as I've been told. <laughs> um, I don't know if you live in Coogee. It's like star that's, spotting. That's you know? Yeah, yeah, I've heard this. Um, so, <laughs> so that's a really interesting one in terms of how do you deal with that? Do you, like, do you get people coming up to you quite often to speak to you? And what, how do you deal with people who are, you know, pretty much strangers, really, that are coming up to talk to you? Yeah, it's funny. Um it's only really since the borders have opened that it's been happening a lot. Um, I like, I mean, I love it. I don't mind it at all. It's so lovely, but obviously I just, I, I share these things. I put out my podcast and it's like us talking right now. You kind of forget that people are listening. Um, and I mean, my podcast episodes, you know, I talk about heartbreak. Um, I get really, um, raw and honest because I just never want to be anything other than myself and being real so that I can help people but it is like someone reading your diary and you just you put it out there it goes online and then you get on with your day and forget about it but um you know people come up to you and they ask like people ask me about my dog Toby they'll say how's Toby and I'm thinking (laughs) (laughs) so how did you know about Toby yeah like I totally get what you're saying because you know I've written a lot of stories um on our site that are very very sort of personal and I'm like you know I've been doing that for eight years and yet I still write it like no one's going to read this but you know I can look at the stats and see that obviously people are reading it but in my mind while I'm writing it I'm just like it's almost like a sort of therapeutic thing where I'm like <laughs> oh I need to write that out I'm just going to share it with the world not like yeah. it cares, but I'm just gonna do it and then you know that you know people send me messages and they're talking about stuff and I'm like Oh yeah, that's kind of like you just kind of, it's it's a it's a bizarre world. I've had like one of my work uh, colleagues asked me the other day, oh we we found these uh, amazing uh, like restaurants and things to do in Sydney. Looking at your blog, and I'm like, oh really? Oh oh, you, you actually read it? And I know stuff. it's like a pretend. Yeah world, yeah, you know, that actually is a reality as well, yeah. um, which is really strange. But it's quite interesting to talk more about the sort of events that you hold. So obviously you do a lot of mental health events. So do you want to explain a bit more about you know what they involve? <laughs> Yeah, so I've had um, a real passion for mental health since 
I was a young girl. Um, Northern Ireland in particular has one of the highest suicide rates in Europe. And um, it's been something that I have grown up with where I've unfortunately lost a lot of members in my community um, through suicide. And long story short, I, I keep saying long story short, sorry. <laughs> um, I just worry that I ramble a little bit, but um, I have always had that as the forefront for that's kind of the, what drove me to be a teacher. Um, I'm, uh, what, what am I trying to say? <laughs> this is end of term brain where <laughs> you lose your words. I am qualified to um, spot the signs in a classroom because that's where, you know, you see these things happening and that's where the forefront of my teaching career went. It was, I want to be able to help as many people as I can. So, I started in the classroom. I love being able to help. I can see when a child is distressed because I've been trained in how to do that and the conversations around it. And I felt like I wanted to do more than just the classroom, that small group of people in front of me. And I've learned throughout my years here in Australia that there's some really difficult days. And you'll understand from, you know, there's people that you miss, milestones that you miss at home, events that you should have been at, that you couldn't get at. The pandemic was extremely hard for us in Australia, particularly. We were locked away from the rest of the world for a long time, longer than we should have been. And um, while people were going to Ibiza on holiday, we still couldn't, you know, get to Byron Bay. Um, yeah. It was, it was a strange time. And I realized as well that with the expat community, what we do, I mean, I, I've done it as well um, in my first few years here. We try and fill that void of home and that gap in our heart with going out at the weekend because the weekends can be the hardest. Our Monday to Friday, you're so busy, you don't want to see anybody. But Saturday to Sunday, especially Sundays, are really difficult living abroad because that is really the family dynamics where you're busy at work all week and then hear about your colleague going up the coast to see their family or Easter time here. They're doing all these beautiful things with their family or long holiday, like bank holiday weekends. Um, and we substitute that for alcohol, you know, and, you know, some people drugs and gambling. There's to fill that void of the sitting in your apartment on your own. And that's not everybody. And I mean, that's not my life now, but it definitely is a thing that we do on the work and holiday visa. We just party, party, party. And don't get me wrong, it is extremely fun and I love it. But the mental health implications that come from that is that you spend then Monday to Friday at work really down again and then you go out again at the weekend and then there's downs and ups. And oh my God. yeah, there's there's a lot of that, you know, and um, unfortunately, we, we have had some um, people who've lost their lives um, to suicide over here who you would never have known were struggling because of they're out every weekend and they're having a good time with us. And we just don't talk about it because we put our pictures up of us on Bondi Beach and tell our families we're doing fine. And if we're having a tough day, we just don't have to answer the phones to our family. And they're none the wiser at home about how we're really feeling. So that's where my events came in. I wanted to try and break that cycle. I mean, it's all about balance. Having the partying, I love partying and I love going out at the weekends, but I don't want to wake up on a Monday morning and feel like 
I don't remember the weekend or all I did was be at the pub and now it's time to go back to work and I'm going to do it all over again. And I did that for many years. This is not someone that is, you know, looking down on people for doing it. That was me. And um, I started to just fall into that. Yeah. yeah, right. It really, I mean, yeah. that's our lives here. We're here for an extended holiday, but you know, when you're here two or three years, it's not good to continue that extended holiday mindset. You've got to really bring some balance back into your life. And that's where my Sunrise Socials came in. I started them during lockdown. Um, and I really genuinely believe that they wouldn't have grown had it not been for lockdown. I mean, I the only reason that people turned up was because people weren't out in the pubs the night before because there was no pubs open. Um, and it started bringing an appreciation to people about actually getting up and seeing the sunrise before they went on their nights out. So then they could say, I had a really good weekend. I did both. I went and saw my friends for a coffee that morning. I had a great night on Saturday night and I've done a little bit of everything. So that's where um, it all stemmed from. And I think with that in itself, like it really shows that sort of connection that's really been missing over the last few years. Um which would bring me to the next topic of, you know, making friends in Australia, specifically Sydney as well. Like, can you talk about your experience in terms of how you made friends? Because I know as a Brit myself, like, it's not that easy to make friends in Australia in general. But, um, you know, it'd be really interesting to understand. Oh, and I was just going to say also, like, just from the Australian perspective, like, it's not just limited to kind of expats as well. I mean, mm. you know, it's it's hard even being an Aussie and making friends. So, you know, it's, yeah, I just want to kind of just put that out there I as well. Like everybody, it's hard in general. Yeah, like, the older yeah, you absolutely. get, the harder it is, isn't it? Age as well. Yeah. I, think, I think as you get older, that like your group of friends kind of shrinks a bit and then mm. you, you kind of, you know, it almost becomes like these atomic groups. It, it doesn't and feel as... we with Australians as well because... Aussies have had a bit of a different upbringing in terms of, you know, growing up in the same city with the same friends from primary school, going to uni together, and then having that bond together. It's really hard to get into those sort of groups as well. So um, can you tell us a bit about your friendship groups? You know, do you have like Australian friends and Irish friends or friends from other places around the world? Yeah, I've um, been very lucky with friendships, but it hasn't been an easy road. I mean, when you first come out here you become friends with everybody you become best friends with people in the toilets and the bathrooms and you know you hear these English and Irish accents and you think oh my god brilliant and uh no offense Steve but at the beginning I didn't know any Aussies apart from the ones I worked with um it has come full circle this is a this is a good story um but uh you know we stuck to our own and we just went to the Irish bars and the English bars uh, but people move on and as you know, you know, people do regional work. They then go off and do their regional work. People travel around. Not everyone is as lucky as us to call this home all these years later. You lose a lot of people along the way. Um, you befriend everyone at the beginning and then you kind of realize after a few months, God, I, we don't actually really have anything in common other than that boat party we went to or that, you know, hostel we met at on the East Coast. So you learn these things, but it's like you guys say, that's adulthood as well. And um, it just feels a little bit harder because you really rely on your friends. I hear your friends are your family because you don't have anyone apart from them. So we put a lot of importance on them. And um, it's one thing that I have definitely 
find hard over the years because I've been lucky enough to become a citizen most of my best friends have left three or four times over and it got to the point where (laughs) I think about year four of being here where I was I didn't want to talk to anybody on a working holiday visa I was like I don't want to lose any more friends um it's breaking my heart saying goodbye to them so if you're not a permanent resident or a citizen don't be my friend because I can't say goodbye to any more people and um yeah, it's it's been a roller coaster. But one thing I would say, and this is what you'll like, Steve, is actually becoming friends with the Aussies. I mean, we kind of came over here with this mindset of we're here for this extended holiday and party with the Irish and drink with the English and all of these things. But it's so important to be fully embraced in the culture. And one of my best friends is Aussie. And, you know, she takes me to see the swans um, AFL she's a season ticket and we go there all the time and I'm fully embraced in the culture but when I first came out here I wouldn't have been interested in that but it's it's so important like one of my good friends Dino is um, the Bondi rescue lifeguard and like they're some of my great friends and I'm just so grateful for them and that's one thing if anyone is listening that you know make sure you do fully embrace yourself in the people around you and the community because Otherwise, you'll never fully sell here. Like this has to be your home in all aspects, not just your nice apartment or your good job. You've got to actually really give it a go in your local community. And us Aussies are great. We're we're nice. We're friendly. <laughs> you know, who wouldn't we want to be? Um, so with that as well, like it'd be quite interesting because, you know, obviously you came here not realizing you were going to stay for so long. How do you cope with that whole, you know, wanting to go back home? Cause I have seen on your social media where you have, you know, been kind of in two minds really about what you should do with your future. Cause I saw your, your sister is having a baby yeah. and having that sort of family connection and, and that huge moment within your family and, you know, not knowing whether you're going to be there for it or not and and watching you know your niece or nephew grow up I've got lots of nieces and nephews that I haven't really seen grow up in the last 10 years and that I find really bizarre that you know I'm still in that mode where I'm like oh you know he's still 10 years old and he's not now he's like 21 and I find that really weird so um yeah, yeah how do you find it I mean it's tough for all of us isn't it Annie it's just um it's something, I think when we first move here, we move to escape our lives back home. And, you know, we think I need to get out of here and this place is awful and this and that. But as we grow up and mature, we realize, and, you know, the pandemic has definitely taught all of us so much about connection and what's really important in life is the people around you. And I think that family is such an important dynamic and, you have two choices. You either, you have a family out here and you make that life for you here. And, you know, that can be your partner and your dog, or it could be kids, or it could be your job can be your family, but you have to make that choice of whether it's here or whether it's home. And I'm in a very funny situation in my life now where I'm 31 and I have a shot to go back home because I don't have any ties here. Um, I have no relationship to worry about. I don't have to worry about, um, you know, kids. I'm at that stage where I could either start, you know, thinking about a family over here or giving home a go. And 
the pandemic has definitely made life it's I mean I never thought I would ever go back home to Ireland I was always getting away from Ireland but going home that first time after the pandemic I kind of looked at it with different eyes and thought god like it's the little things like being around the kitchen table having a cup of tea with my mum and walking up the mountains with my dad or just being with my dog my dog is so old now and seeing her like really old and thinking you know this is that's my childhood that's my dog and um little things like that and now my sister having a baby you can't buy those things no matter how amazing your lifestyle is no matter how beautiful you have it I mean I have everything I want in my life and I always use the analogy of I feel like I'm in some sort of fairy tale with Rumpelstiltskin and he has (laughs) you know promised me everything I ever want in my life but in return you know you have to grieve the distance of your family for the rest of your life it's like you've everything you ever want and that's the expat guilt we we get it and no matter how settled you are and I know people that are out here 15 20 years who have beautiful homes they have three or four kids they have great jobs but that guilt and that torn feeling of being away from family never leaves you and it's the same for you when you think of your um, nieces and nephews and you do feel like you're a little bit not part of the family in ways because of that um distance and FaceTime and, and Skype and Zoom and all of these things are amazing but nothing can replace that no matter how I've tried I have tried everything <laughs> I was gonna say um, what, what are some of the strategies you use yeah oh my god I mean I've been home three times this will be my I'm going home next week for Christmas this will be the third time that I've gone home and uh, it just it gets harder it gets more expensive Um. I think now that, that people are getting older, there is nothing that can really fix it. But the strategies I use is um, just being fully immersed in my life here, being fully immersed in the community, getting involved in charity events, um, taking any opportunity that I can, trying to grow in my career. We're so busy over here that it's really only the weekends that matter. But things like... Um, having a roast dinner with my friends on a Sunday is really important to me. And I know you guys do the, the likes of where to get the best roast in the pubs and, and things like that. Those little traditions or having Easter Sunday dinner with people over here, and planning your Christmas together. All of those things are so important. And that's why your family is your friends in Australia. Um, but yeah, I, I don't think there's any answer. I've tried to find the answer um, to solving this heartache and, it just doesn't exist. It's one or the other. If I could afford to live in Australia six months of the year and Ireland six months of the year, I would. Oh my God. I think everybody would feel like that. So and we, we actually moved back in 2018 and we moved back and I, you know, got the dream job again. And I was like, oh my God, I'm back to my old life. This is amazing. And that honeymoon period lasted like a month, I think. Well, <laughs> well you, you, you go back, right? You have this kind of, you've been over, you know, out of country for a while and then you go back and you kind of see things a little bit differently. Yeah, when you to go when out you... and live to rather than visiting is very different. Yes. That's what I found anyway. Absolutely. Because when, you're going, when you go for a holiday, it's like, yeah, a holiday is like you cram everything into those few weeks where you've got to see as many people as possible. You're running around like a headless chicken, but you're like cramming in that quality time that you probably would have spent at least six months 
doing that normally. And so within those few weeks, it's like, wow, what a whirlwind, amazing. And what I always find when I came back to Australia is always takes me probably a couple of months to get back into it. I always get the really yeah. bad holiday blues. But it's yeah. like, oh, I really miss, like, I call it life. I really miss life. <laughs> but like, but li- life is here as well. I like. know, but that's the thing. It's like understanding exactly what Caroline's saying. Yeah. It's like you've got to make the most of it. And there's also something about Australia I find that it's almost like the guilt goes both ways where you have the expat guilt of missing all your friends and family, but it's almost like the guilt of leaving here because like I know how how good we have it here and leaving this, you're like, but why would I want to leave it? Like it's mm-hmm. such a, an amazing place to live. The way I kind of think about it, I, I guess for me, and I'm, I'm not an expat, but I, I, I kind of thought it, well, I have been an expat out of Australia, but anyway, it's another story. But anyway, the way I kind of think about it is like, well, you, you, your family would want the best for you, right? So so maybe that to take that on board and then to have the gratitude to say, well, how, you know, how lucky is it that, that I am to be able to live somewhere else and that my family would want the best for me? And maybe, do you think that's like a, a helpful way maybe of yeah. thinking about it? Absolutely. And what really helps is having, I was lucky enough to have my family come out and visit Australia. And there's always that point in the trip. I don't know if you've had family come out to visit, but where they turn around to you and they say, I get it. I get why you're here. Like it always happens where, and then you feel the reassurance of, okay, I'm, I'm in the right path. And the beauty that, that we all have is um, being citizens of this country, you know, it's not a final decision if you do decide to, like you guys did. I love that you went and gave it a go. And now you know that's not where you want to be. I do feel really sorry for a lot of the people that are out here who aren't as lucky as us to have that golden ticket of the Australian passport. And a lot of them, when they make that decision of leaving Australia, they cannot come back in. Yeah. I, I wouldn't be able to deal with that because the turmoil that I feel day to day about whether I should go or not even though I've got the passport and you think it would solve all all the answers, it still doesn't solve all the answers. And the odd time I think, God, why am I strict? I have a passport to get back. But I think since the pandemic, there's definitely that, there's a little bit of trauma with us all where it does feel very final. It feels like, but what if everything shuts down again and you can't get back into, like it's, there's definitely something going on there. Um, mm where we're all feeling and even just people within the community talking about home more than ever. And you may have some friends that have recently gone home after 14 years. I've never heard so many stories of people recently who have gone home. And I do think that it's all come from the last two years. So it's a lovely thing as well, because we can give things a go. And I think you'll never regret a decision that you make, but you regret, regret not giving it a go. So, um, Absolutely. who knows? <laughs> and, and that's why it was good for us to go back because when we did, like, then we quickly realized actually Australia was our home. And that really helped me settle very quickly then when we came back, knowing that, but also knowing that, Hey, that's not a final decision. You know, one day we could go back again and, live there for however long but you know it doesn't need to be final does it mm, that's right um but one thing i really loved that you said recently i think it was that you said that you know moving when you move abroad it's like you're feeling like you're stuck in the same time or the same moment of when you first got here um and i felt i really res- like felt so what's the word like connected to that and i've it, 
resonated so much with me in terms of, you know, I came to Australia when I was 28, 29. And now I'm like. <laughs> you feel you're still 28. I still feel like I'm that age. You still look like, totally. Oh, not now. <laughs> thank you, Caroline. Thank you. <laughs> Brownie <laughs> points there, I think. Can you believe that? I'm 40. Oh, why am I announcing that? Anyway, it's fine. Um, but, you know, it's like when I go back, I want to meet up with my friends right away and I'm like, right, let's get on the beers like we did in uni. We're going to go out. And then I forget they've got kids now. And they're like, <laughs> yeah. you know, they're like, got to sort out a babysitter, oh, yeah, you know, it's like all that sort of stuff. As it was. And I'm like, oh, yeah, like everyone's moved on just as I yeah. have. But when I go back, I'm like, I'm still that 28 year old again. And yeah, I find that really, that's the first time I've heard someone say that when you said that. And I was like, yeah, that that's so true. And I'm sure a lot of people will, will um, resonate with it as well. I think we are Peter Pan's in a way, aren't we? And um, we just are forever young out here. That's what I say, forever young. And it's beautiful and it's amazing, but you do feel that sense when you do go home where I feel it as well when I go home and I say, you know, let's go out to this night out. And my friends are saying, I can't, you know, I've just bought a house or, um, you know, the kids need this or that. And I'm, and then I feel like, oh God, when I'm at home, I think I'm such a failure. I haven't done any of these things and I, I should be doing what these guys are doing. But how amazing is it that we have these opportunities that not everyone gets to have and this lifestyle you know it's actually a really lovely way to live because you don't have to fit into societal norms out in Australia you can be whoever you want and that's what I really love about Australia is it's molded me not into a different person but the person that I was always meant to be I feel like I've taken off all the layers of the person that I was trying to be in Ireland um now I'm more like me than ever before. I I I love things that I didn't even think that I would love and that are so important to me. Like like a sunrise. I didn't even know what sunrise was in Ireland. Nor <laughs> Unless I you ever. saw it from the other side, right? <laughs> <laughs> I was coming back from the night out. Um, yeah, I, uh, I, I would never be interested in that kind of stuff. And that is something that is so important in my weekly life. Um, just even stripping back the makeup and... The, the connection to material things, it's like you guys say, the fact that you moved home a couple of years ago, how you were able to just give up your house, your lifestyle, your furniture. It's the same with me. You know, you don't hold as much connection to materialistic things as you would when you were in at home. I used to have a beautiful car at home and it was very important for me to have a nice car to drive around in because everyone would see it. Out here for my first two years, I don't even have a car anymore. I drove an absolute banger. It literally was lucky. <laughs> you know, I've stripped back um, on everything. I feel like, sorry, I feel like um, that's so true, though, about the car situation. You know, in the UK, you see so many uh, people driving convertibles, and yet I rarely see it over here at all. Like, people just aren't fussed about the car situation. All materialistic things either. Like when we were back in the UK, you know, on the weekends we'd be like, let's go into the shops because, you know, you go into Zara or something, they're changing their stock like daily there. Mm -hmm. Whereas over here, I mean, they are obviously in Zara, like 
um, over here as well. But like in most other shops, the stock doesn't really change that often. So I don't ever feel the need to be, oh, we're going to shops every single weekend. Instead, yeah. you can see outdoors here to spend your time. So you're not, I find I don't spend as much money here at all compared to what I would do back home. Um, it's a much more indoors lifestyle, yeah. I think, you know, being in, in the, yeah. uh, on, in, on the continent. Yeah. <laughs> on the continent. Um, <laughs> So we're wrapping up our podcast episode now. I feel like we're coming to a bit of an end. Um, I have one more question to ask you, Caroline. I actually had loads of questions to ask you, <laughs> which I feel like we've hardly scratched the surface at all. Um, but what I really want to ask you, actually, is what are you most proud of with your life in Australia? Oh, that's a good question. What am I most proud of? I would say I... I'm so proud of how far I've come and it's like we've time is frozen but at the same time I don't recognize that girl that got off that flight in Australia all those years ago I have grown so much I've developed a thick skin because you don't have your family here to have your back and you have to learn to stand up for yourself in the workplace in you know situations where you know, someone could be rude to you or any of those things or just even financial things, not knowing how to do my tax returns <laughs> when I first got here. Um, and being more free to be me, I would never have started a podcast if I was in Ireland, nor would I have ever put myself on social media out of the fear of what people would think. Whereas Australia has made me just go for it. And that's what I love about Australia. Like Australia is, like I'm an Australian now I, and I will always be an Australian. It's part of my heart. It's part of my blood now. It, there's a real yes attitude. And that's what I'm proud of is I haven't let the worries or concerns of what other people think hold me back. As yeah, Sometimes it can be really hard and it can make you think that. But all it takes is to go down to the beach the next day whenever you're having these worries and doubts and concerns. Watch the sunrise, see the surfers going out into the water and think, you know what, life's beautiful. You can do whatever the hell you want. Absolutely. So... Again, if you're not following Caroline already, which I'm sure you all are, but you can follow her on her social media channels at County Down Under. Also, it's a very um, exciting day for you today, Caroline, as we have um, heard that you have just launched your brand new ebook, which is a guide to moving to Australia for 2023. Yeah. Um, it's got everything you need to know about moving to Australia in it. And I'm sure with your wealth of knowledge, it's going to be a must buy for sure thank you so much and can i ask one last question i, I, I have to know this is it thongs or flip-flops <laughs> i'll give you a funny story on my first school camp i was told by one of the teachers as i was walking out the door he shouted at me and he said whatever you do for tomorrow for camp don't pack your thongs and i thought <laughs> Terry, thank you. What's he talking? This man's talking about my underwear. And um, then I found out that that, that was flip flops. Um, it is definitely flip flops, no matter what. And Arvo is never okay. It's afternoon. <laughs> one, one word. Well, I don't know. I might dispute that. I don't know. I don't know. If, if we put an O on the end of anything, it becomes better, I think. I <laughs> like Steve O. Steve O. Steve O. <laughs> 
All right. Thanks for joining us today, Caroline. Um, again, oh, you can catch Caroline's podcast as well. It's County Down Under. Have we missed anything else? Sunrise Socials, all your events. Find it under her website. County, is it countydownunder.com? That's I'm it. guessing. Okay, we've got it. Um, all right, guys. Well, thanks for listening to this podcast episode today. We will be back very soon for more from us at The Reality Expat. Thanks very much, Caroline. It was amazing speaking with you and uh, all the best. Thank you. Thanks, Caroline. Thanks for having me, guys. Pleasure.